2: This is the Grey Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldspit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer! Grey Bar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Velican win! Vilican win! Now from the Steeple Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
1: Well, here we are. It is I'll tell you what, Drew, I liked it better when it was 87, not 47. I mean what the heck? Let me get get me back to where where were we? Weren't we just at summer just a second ago? Fair enough. Yeah. I uh, could do without the weather last night also. Although I I felt that um, it all turned out to be a great night. It wasn't a great sports day overall. If you're a Cardinals fan, you didn't like it. If you're a City fan and you're uh, excited this morning waking up, you should be. And I think that, you know, that product is just going to get better and better and better. That was a great response last night by City against a team that was... Really good all year. City had dropped a couple in a row and they came out flying. What a game. What a performance. What a statement by St. Louis City SC. You heard the highlights this morning on KMOX. We've been playing them for you all morning long. Let's get a couple more and then we'll get into the Cardinals in just a moment. But here they are. St. Louis City SC yesterday taking on Cincinnati. And this game was delayed because of lightning and because of a tornado warning, and it extended all the way until 949. That's when they started this game. At 952, this happened. Move
4: in from about 15 yards outside the box. Benz went toward the spot. Jokini went for the header. Now Oh, brought... oh baby!
1: Joey Zanaboni, Dale Shilly with the call on Y98FM. I don't know what Joey's talking about half the time, but the other half I liked a lot, the great soccer call. He has this one as well. Left
4: side toward the boxes. Nelson, gets to his former team, centering for John steps over one, fires a shot, deflects back In into the, there. Yeah! In the back of the cage! Melton faces like a microwave full of Justin Bieber action figures.
1: That one I got a little bit better than the first one. Uh, the goal by Leuven, and it's 2-0. This highlight I like because both broadcasters yell at the exact same time. Here it is.
4: Bounce into the corner for Strah, Jared. Oh, in the middle, a header ends up in the back. And City's up
1: 3 0. Kyle Hebert with the goal. That in extra time in the first half. Goals from Stroud, Leuven, Hebert's 3 0. City leading Cincinnati 3 0. Cincinnati had only given up four goals all season going into this game. Here it comes early second half.
4: Outside toward midfield. City sweeps it forward. Alm mm. oh, flicking on for Giappini. Penalty on. He scores! It's 4 City!
1: And before he had a chance to celebrate that, this.
4: Moving center in a Cincy head. reads it. Dismissed, but not completely. Ross oh. Musum! Uh. It's, it's the goalie! It bounces in! 5-0! Ras Musum! Lasering it home like a mail order hair removal kit! It off the medal, it banged back off of Celentano and went in. City with the season
1: high five. Roman Celentano, my IU brother. He went to Indiana University, was a terrific goaltender for the Hoosiers. But last night, he was our enemy. As City scores five times and wins the game five to one. They improved to six and two. They have 18 points. They're the number one team in Major League Soccer. Lutz and deal is on the way at 11-15. But before that, coming up soon, we will dig back into the City game. And I'll talk about the experience of dealing with the story. Storm protocol and everything that happened yesterday, including a terrific effort by City. We'll hear what Coach Bradley Carnell had to say after the match. Meanwhile, the Cardinals' experience did not go as well. The Cardinals lost the game yesterday by a final of 6-3, 3-3 game, 10th inning. You've probably heard about this by now. Jordan Hicks is in. That's out of necessity. The Cardinals have a number of relievers that were not available A lot of that has to do with, most of that has to do with the fact that the starters have not gone deep enough. The arms have been used. Jordan Hicks was one of the last available. Andrew McCutcheon.
2: On its way, and that ball is hit high in the air to left field. Backing up is Carlson. He looks up, and that one's long gone. A two-run home run for Andrew McCutcheon, and the Pirates take a 5-3 lead in the 10th
1: and it was still five to three and Hicks is still in there in the 10th
2: infield in hoping to cut this runoff the 1-0 pitch from Hicks is grounded to the right side that's a base hit past a diving Donovan it was off the tip of his glove and that scores Joe and it's now six to three
4: Pittsburgh
1: six to three was the final the Cardinals did threaten in the bottom of the tenth Nolan Gorman ends up lining out to second base to end a threat The Pirates escape 6-3, but the Cardinals really cave in this one. Ryan Helsley gave up a run in the eighth inning. It was charged to Chris Stratton, who actually pitched really well in relief after Stephen Matz went 110 pitches in five and two-thirds. The Cardinals try to keep this thing alive. They do. They take a 3-2 lead on a Goldschmidt walk with the bases loaded, but then the run given up by Helsley again, charged to Stratton. He finishes the eighth, finishes the ninth, but Hicks comes in in the 10th. And you heard right there, he threw a slider, his seventh consecutive slider to McCutcheon, not able to command his fastball. Ollie Marmel, the manager of the Cardinals, will join us in just a few minutes that's a tough one to take as the Cardinals also are really struggling with runners in scoring position. They're just not able to cash in offensively either, but it does come back to starting pitching. Just a lot of things going on. Ollie got ejected from the game about uh, arguing balls and strikes. We'll ask him about that and more coming up. It's 1013 sports on a Sunday morning sponsored by Graybar battle Hawks play today at two o'clock Cardinals play today at one ten. downtown will be buzzing with 75,000 fans. You ready for that? after yesterday's big game for City. It's all next on KMOX.
2: Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a Gray Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Pelicans win! Pelicans win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
1: Welcome back to the show. It is 1016 and one of the best things about Sunday morning is a chance to talk some ball with Oliver Marmel. The Cardinals manager is with us this morning from his office at Bush Stadium. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. How we doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, through 15 games, we have a record of six and nine for your club and we'll, we'll talk about all of that and uh, kind of get into all of that. I, I just, uh, again, appreciate the fact that we've worked this out, that you can join us before you visit with all the media. You're going to talk to the TV and radio crews. You talk to the writers. You talk to the uh, radio and TV reporters out in the dugout. It's a busy morning for you every every pregame, isn't it?
5: It, it is, but it's uh, it's part of the gig, and I actually enjoy
1: it. Well, I, I know that, and I do appreciate the opportunity to ask you a few questions here before we get you to all those folks. Just an overall, let's, let's just take a step back and, and an overview of the first 15. If you're 6-9, and nine, where do you see your team lacking? Uh, where would you like to see them? Let's start with that. Where would you like to see the most improvement right now? Where do you think it has taken you to this record so far?
5: Uh yeah, it's not the ideal start for your first fifteen games. Um and there's some areas that I think will stabilize and other areas that I, I just think we are uh, we're better than what um we're showing at the moment. So if you want to break it down one at a time, if you look at our rotation Two times through, it wasn't exactly what we were we were hoping for. Third time through, I think it's starting to, to stabilize itself and, and look a lot more or a lot closer to what we would expect. Um, you look at that, that first series and then the Atlanta series and then having to go to Colorado, the Milwaukee. Um, but here, the reality is Miles um, hasn't looked right the first three times out, and, and we're really looking forward to seeing him today because this is a guy – that's that's going to end well and um the first three weren't ideal but but this is he's too good to continue to do what what the first three look like jack last time out if you want to just go third time through the rotation jack last time out five and a third gave up one run monty last time out six and a third gave up two runs woody five and a third gave up no runs and matt five and two thirds and gave up two runs so if you ask me last time through the rotation is that a more of what to expect yes and i don't think we can argue that if those guys did that every time out we'd be okay
1: yeah so, i would yeah totally yeah go ahead
5: yeah so that's the thing like we can sit here and continue to like put it all in one big bucket and go what the hell's going on which is one way to do it i'd rather just take a different look at it and say um Early on, did it look well? No, it did not. But our rotation is stabilizing based on the last time through the rotation and then miles going out today um, and throwing a good game would be a really, really good thing. So you you jump over to the offensive side, and this is a very good offensive lineup. Um, Timeliness has not been on our side as far as, like, the big hit. Uh, we've ran into some really bad luck in, in lining out in some really crucial situations um, with runners on second and third and runners in scoring position and taking good at bats and just right at people. Um, so are we going to drive in more runs than we have over the last two weeks? Yes. it's that That's a given, um, especially with the lineup that we had. Is, is Wilson going to um, – hit at a much higher rate than absolutely this is a, a extreme competitor who's proven year after year that he's an elite bat, and he's going to continue to be. so has it started off that way? No, but will it absolutely um, so th- this is where getting new bar back and it's just there's a lot of things that are starting to fall into place where as the last two weeks no no one's more frustrated than this clubhouse. I don't care how like trust me um, but are things falling into place? One hundred
1: percent. And when that happens, things get frustrating. That's when you really have to use that outlook that you just gave us to to your entire team and say, you know, you guys know, I mean, this is a good club. Now, obviously, you're going to push everybody in the direction that they need to be pushed. But as a whole, there's no reason for the team to start pressing that. Then things can really start to, to go awry
5: yeah, that's not even a question. It's clubhouse is the thing, Tom. like it, this is more an explanation for for you in conversation with the fan base as far as like how, our outlook of it. Uh, that clubhouse is <laughs> focused on one thing and it's competing. um they're not gonna get bogged down by by the first two weeks of a very long season. Um, every game matters, and uh we we take it very serious, but at the same time if you think for one second that this clubhouse is down on what they're capable of doing you're you're very
1: far off. Yeah, totally. So I I appreciate that and just so everyone's on the same page there with what's going on there. And also this that you, know, you alluded to this yesterday, we well, didn't allude to, you directly uh, stated it yesterday that available in the bullpen in the 10th inning, Jordan Hicks and Hennessy Cabrera. Period. And you had some pitchers that were unavailable, that is a combination of things. One, your you guys have been going a lot. But two, early on, uh, your starters weren't going the distance that they were that last time through the rotation, and that causes a little wear on the bullpen. Is that true? Is that kind of how yeah, that works? A little wear,
5: yeah, a little wear um, is an understatement. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it definitely wears your bullpen out. And um, it, it's not a bad thing. It's just the situation we were in. There's going to be times in the year where we're sitting there going, man, our pen hasn't got a whole lot of use because our, our our starters are doing a much better job. And it's just, there's times where it just goes back and forth. Right now, that's not the case. Our bullpen has been used quite a bit. And sometimes you look at the bullpen and go, man, you got eight guys down there. What do you mean the guy's not available? Um, based on how they're used, the amount of days they're used consecutively, um, four to six, back-to-back days, it ends up being where, Before the game, like we've already sat down and gone through it with our pen of who's available, who's not available for today's game. And yesterday was one of those days where you're sitting there and you have very limited innings. Um, And when it came down to that 10th, you had a choice. You had Cabrera against a heavy right-handed part of the lineup that doesn't fare well for a lefty spot. And you had Hicks. Those were your only two guys left. Um, We had no one else to throw after those two guys yesterday um, if you're trying to keep everybody healthy over 162 games, which is, is one thing we pride ourselves on. So, yeah, sometimes you're pushed into that situation. Is it um, something we desire? Absolutely not, but that's a, that's what we were handed yesterday.
1: And Hicks, you know, everybody seems to have an opinion on Hicks. I, I don't really listen to all that. I just watch the game and see what I see so that I can ask you. And you know, we see him throw all those sliders together. That tells me that his fastball, he doesn't trust as much as a slider. And so he's throwing his slider. He's trying to throw it over for strikes and a veteran player, Andrew McCutcheon got one.
5: Yeah. but That's the thing at the big league level. If you only have one pitch, you can rely on, it makes it very difficult um, to get through an outing. And he, he was having difficulty the prior uh, outing um, locating his pitches. He moved on the other side of the rubber, and yesterday he fell into um, the pattern that you just described in in having confidence and just being able to land the slider, which was unfortunate. But um, yeah, I I don't disagree.
1: We're I mean, again, no excuses are being made here, but yesterday you made the statement by getting tossed out of the game how you felt about umpiring Stephen Matz was not happy either just overall what happened there uh, and are what, you just what, trying to increase my fine I, no, I don't want you to I don't want you to be fine <laughs> so uh, th- I'm trying to ask this in a way that, that you don't uh that you don't talk about the umpire anymore so you don't get fined but just I think no, it's been it's it's been
5: frustrating um here's one here's one way I would describe it. I'm really proud of our guys for as much as calls have not gone in our favor, um, pitches in the zone that we're not getting, that we should get pitches out of the zone that are being called on us. If you look at that series, um, last series, Contreras got some calls on him that were just, they, they weren't good. And for him not to respond and and stay mentally in the game, our guys aren't reacting they're staying mentally locked in and they're not giving into that as an excuse. At some point, somebody has to say something about it. I'd rather be the one doing it and allow them to continue to stay locked in and to doing their job.
1: It's a, I appreciate the answer. I, I looked at the ninth inning yesterday, or the 10th inning rather yesterday, bottom of the 10th. And I really thought Norland Gorman was going to get the hit. I mean, that's kind of where he is at this point. He is so locked in and he hits a laser to second base for the final out. But I, I feel like in, as far as your hitters are going, he is really taken off here. I mean, what, what do you – how how do you – what do you attribute to all of that?
5: He – a combination of things. I think he, one, made a real change um, physically, uh, mechanically. But, two, it's given him the confidence of being able to just relax and be in control of his at-bats. And we're seeing a guy that's very – just has a quiet confidence to him right now. There's rhythm to what he's doing. And it's showing. Um, But to your point, he got up there and did his job, which is hit the ball hard. Uh, Unfortunately, it was right at somebody. Um, But he's continuing to take really, really productive at bats.
1: What do you feel about Jordan Walker and where things stand after a remarkable 12-game hitting streak to start his career? You gave him that day's rest, and he was back in there yesterday.
5: Yeah, he did a really nice job of handling all of that. There's the pressure of of living up to all the hype um, in his debut and then to be able to put that streak together and have to handle everything that comes with that. I think he did a really nice job. We're going to see a guy that's going to settle in. And um, my hope is he he got that out of the way, and now he relaxes and and starts doing what he's more than capable of doing. But uh, he's handled his first couple weeks up here really, really well.
1: Gorman is in there today. He's batting six as the DH. Your outfield from left to right is Alec Burleson, Lars Newtbar, and Jordan Walker. Newt is feeling better. How's he looking as he's returned from his thumb injury?
5: Yeah, he's uh he's feeling better. He's doing really well. He was able to get some at bats, uh, five at bats in the minor leagues, and then faced uh Wayne Wright in that live BP. He got a, a five or six at bats against him and and everything's feeling ready to go. He was able to Get on base several times yesterday. We're we're definitely excited about having him back
1: in the lineup. And again, going back to your outfield, you've got five of them now. With those three uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, Burleson uh, is in there along with uh, in center field is Newt Barr and Walker and Wright. That leaves O'Neill and Carlson, who were incumbents coming in. Uh, how do you see that outfield mix right now, and how you're mixing and matching everybody?
5: Yeah, it's, it's definitely a competitive um, outfield at the moment, and there's there's no right answer. Uh, honestly, these guys are all deserving of an opportunity, um, and we have a lot of good players that all play the outfield. And right now, Burleson's, uh swinging it really well, finding the barrel often, uh, getting new bar off of the IL. We had uh, expectations as to what he's capable of doing, both defensively and offensively, for us, and he's going to get a shot at it. And then uh, and Walker and Wright, so. Um, the way Carlson and Tyler O'Neill have gone about it as of late has been uh, has been really good and uh, deserving of an opportunity. Um, there's only three spots out there, and the DH is uh, is uh, being held by Gorman, who's having productive at bats as well. So it's a good problem to have. It's not a bad thing to have a true 26-man roster where you can use all your guys and feel comfortable with it.
1: Yeah, and Gorman jumped in there at second base and actually turned a nice double play yesterday too. Uh, last thing for you, Ollie, and I really appreciate this. Uh, just your bench, knowing that Joe McEwing is there for you. How did he do yesterday? What was the what was the final uh, discussion on on Joe McEwing jumping in as manager of the club? <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: I love Joe. Um, he does a really nice job with uh, with our staff and our players. Um, that role is is extremely important. It has to be somebody you trust. Uh, I, I'm more the guy that. Once I get thrown out, it's it's your game, um, and uh, he's uh, he's he's awesome. I I, I trust Joe a, a ton. So those are my comments on Joe.
1: Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you for the time. Uh, it's ten thirty. We're gonna get you right back to the clubhouse and visit with everybody. And the good luck today against the Pirates.
5: I right, appreciate it. Thank you, Tom.
1: Great to have Oliver Marmol, Cardinals manager, on the show.
2: Now, y 98 presents 90 and 60: A look back at the St. Louis City match against F.C. Cincinnati. He went for the header,
4: dives, maybe oh! oh, he scores. Jared Stroud! Center centering for John steps over one, fires a shot to flex back into there. Yeah, In the back of the cage. Bounce into the corner for Stra. Jared. Oh! City
2: SC, a 5-1 winner. This has been 90 and 60. This coming Saturday, St. Louis City heads to Colorado to take on the Rapids. Pre-game at 8, kick at 8.30 on Y98, St. Louis.
1: What a performance by City. Really uh, just a terrific job across the board by this team. They really are made up of hungry players, a mixture of young players trying to make a name and some older players, not too old, but older players like Tim Parker like uh, Roman Berkey, who lead this team forward, they're now six and two. They're at the top of Major League Soccer, but make no mistake about it: the star of this team so far is the crowd. And here is Bradley Carnell, the coach, on that very topic.
0: Yeah, thank you uh, to the fans uh, for staying for staying the course and uh, having patience. Uh, Yeah, the weather guards weren't with us today, but uh, we hope that, uh, you know, we we gave the fans something to celebrate. Um, I don't see it as as a 5-1 game. I just see this as us, you know, growing as a team and and taking steps forward each and every single day. And uh, if it means, you know, we get a result and it's for us, it's about the three points at home. Um, Yeah, we we felt really bad uh, the last time out against Minnesota at home. Um, And that really stuck with us. You know, we want to make this place a fortress. And uh, yeah, we wanted a proud, strong performance, um, a gritty performance, uh, a fighter's performance. And uh, I think the boys showed some excellent resolve, excellent character. Um, But again, credit to Pat Noonan. They have an amazing team. Um, Obviously missing one or two pieces. Yeah, but uh, I said this week, it wasn't about the opponent, this was about us. Um, And for us, uh, you know, really excited with the three points and uh, yeah, a big massive thank you again to the fans. Thanks coach,
2: Uh,
1: if you want to quickly unmute and then we'll go to Tom.
6: Perfect, bye Tom. Uh, Two parts, how did you guys spend those two hours and then what was the value of the importance of Jared's goal so quickly in the game?
0: Yeah, the guys keep themselves busy um in the locker room obviously was some mls going uh, on the east coast so we were able to pick up some games and yeah just uh have some you know some good fun i just heard some good spirit in the in the in the locker room and it was our yeah it was our uh, purpose to come out of the locker room as energized as that what we were for two hours it was incredible to see the boys just uh hanging about with a bunch of friends and uh, yeah just good teammates um yeah obviously to get the goal early on um it's kind of a massive weight lifted off the shoulders. You could feel the release uh, of the group. You could feel the the energy of the group, and they were really excited for that. And um, yeah, I think uh, Jared obviously didn't play the last game, um, so I think that's his third goal now. Um, so yeah, I think it's Jared. Jared's a worker. He's any he, you know he has some final third quality, um, and I'm happy he could reward himself today, um, which then inadvertently rewards the team. You know, later on it sets a tone for the game.
1: That is Bradley Carnell, the head coach of St. Louis City SC. Jared Stroud with the early goal, and that did electrify the crowd. Drew Young, our producer, you were there. I was there as well. You were in that supporter section, and it was pretty well packed by the start of that match. Absolutely.
5: It and did. the fans, you know, they brought it, even, even with the weather delay.
1: They did. They really did. I'll tell you my story. Real quick, and I told this earlier on Total Information AM, was that I took my friend Andrew Price, who has cerebral palsy, uh, to his first-ever match along with his dad, Dave, and one of their neighbors. And the four of us went in, but uh, the story begins with me standing outside the stadium just after 6 and knowing that I can't get in. And actually, it's a blessing in disguise that I didn't get in because I wanted to be able to help them when they arrived. I'm not sure what my availability would have been with all of us having this shelter in place but anyway i was outside the stadium we were told you can't go in unless you have a premium ticket i have a credential i can get in there and go sit in the media area but i decided that i would call my friend and see where they were in terms of getting downtown they were already pretty far past forest park so at that point now we're talking like 6:30 close to 6:45 I'm not going to have them turn around and go home, knowing that this is going to be a long delay, but I can't have them drive back into the storm. So they come down. I have them pull up. I jump into the car. We take them to the nearby parking garage that I had access to, and we sheltered there. Then we ended up, and when the rain let up, we thought they were going to open the gate, and a lot of people started to line up. So we did as well under shelter, so we were able to stay dry. But... Uh, they were not going to open that until all lightning was clear of the area. We're not going to go to the parking garage or anywhere else. It's pouring down rain and it's lightning and we're going to stay safe right where we were. So we did. We stuck it out. I did a couple of reports on KMOX. They opened the gates at 9, got myself some food and a nice cold beer and watched city score five goals. I mean, it really was a fun night. I know it was frustrating for some people two ways. One, that you weren't able to get in when you wanted to Mm -hmm. and you were stuck trying to find shelter outside but it is major league soccer protocol across the board when there's inclement weather you have to shelter in place if there's a tornado warning which they had or if there's lightning in the area which they had you had to do that so what was your experience in terms of sheltering
5: so I was actually over at the pitch with uh, Bill McDermott and then Brian our engineer so we were just waiting around I was helping uh, Brian set up and I didn't know if we were gonna have the game at all, but the fans like stuck, stayed there. I mean, we really couldn't leave because if we left, we weren't getting back
1: in. Right. And I was just waiting for uh, the because there was to open a line up. to get into the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, you did. You were in a great spot then. Yeah. In a great spot to shelter. Yeah. I know a lot of people were able to get to a bar in, in the seating area. So, but you know, and then the other frustrating thing for people was the fact that Apple TV was down mm-hmm. early. I don't know if it ever came back or not, but I saw a lot of reports that they weren't able to see the first goal because Apple TV didn't have mm-hmm. it. I can tell you, Y98 did. So if you you can always listen to us, Y98 FM. We'll have the game in the meantime. If you can't get that on TV right away, just know Y98 FM, 98.1 FM, Odyssey app if you want to listen to the game, if your video feed's not coming in. At any rate, they win at 5-1 to one over Cincinnati. Cincinnati had only given up four goals all season, and they score five. That is just a tremendous performance. Lutz, Fan, and Steel will be with it.
6: Your fever is high, and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect co-worker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect co-worker of yours.
2: Old man winter here.
3: If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here?
2: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
3: Spring?
1: They're used to being in the playoffs this time of year. They are not. It is over for the Blues. Doug Armstrong, their GM, next on KMOX.
2: Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Bill Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Millikens win. Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
1: Welcome back. Great conversation with Ollie Marmel at 1015, Cardinals manager. If you want to hear that, just go to the Odyssey app and review back to 1015, 1016 a.m. When we started it, we'll also have it podcast after the show at KMOX.com. Sports on a Sunday morning. Last a part of this hour right now, this is Blues General Manager Doug Armstrong. I thought this was very well done by Army. Here he is in his season-ending press conference, which he wishes he had done two days earlier, he said.
6: Well, to start it off, you could, this would have been a way better interview if we had have done it uh, Thursday night. You would have got a lot more out of me, a lot more juicy stuff out of me than you'll get today. But... Uh, Appreciate you guys coming. Obviously it's uh, the ending of a very disappointing year for our, for our franchise. Uh, expectations were higher, uh, goals weren't meant. Starts with the manager, uh, not obviously bringing the right, the right uh, players in, the right support staff in to get us to this point. My job now is to take time to evaluate where we're at, is uh, where our players are at individually, where they are collectively, Work with Craig on assembling a staff that can get us to a higher standard uh, on a day-to-day basis. And what I said to the players: we're going to find out, and we're going to we're going to answer our own question: is this an aberration or is this a trend? And if it's a trend, we're all going to have really bad years moving forward. And if it's an aberration, we're going to move ahead. And. I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about how we win and lose games. I'm talking about the competitive nature of our team. I'm talking about what we see uh, each and every day uh, on how we come to work and how we feel about when we go home from work. And I used to have a saying when I talked to the guys that when you're working with a high demanding coaching staff, you know, there was about 15 minutes a night 66% of the year I loved, and that was driving home from the plane or driving home from the arena with a smile on my face, knowing that tomorrow morning, I was gonna get a call from an agent who was gonna yell at me that this player didn't get enough ice time, or I was gonna have a player in my office telling me how the coach screwed him. But for that 15 minutes a night, for 66% of the time, it was a great ride home. I didn't have nearly enough good ride homes. And I wanna get back to enjoying at least 15 minutes a night uh next year and it might as i said it might not be coming the wins and losses but there's too many nights i went home feeling i let our fan base down by not creating a, a team that was competitive enough and that's on me Doctor, so,
5: how do you and what you talked about it here earlier get that culture back the professionalism maybe the talked about the little details they all seem to slip this year
6: well it's going to start in training camp Uh, I think we have to have a a highly competitive camp. I think there has to be a standard uh, that we set in camp. I also think it's our practice habits. Uh, There was too many practices where where we would not shoot enough. We would miss the net in in our shot attempts. We would overpass it. The next drill would go on and the same thing would happen. And then the next night, we go 14 or 15 minutes with no shots on net and we're going, geez, how, how did that happen? Or our defensive zone coverage, you know, we would practice it and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, there'd be no competitive nature to our practice in front of the net. We would give up scoring opportunities uh, in practice and it was just acceptance. And, and that bled into our season, I, I believe. I think our, our, our training camp and our practice habits are gonna be indicative of how we play each and every night. And it's our commitment uh, to those things that, that are, are going to be important. And work has to be thought of as enjoyable, not a punishment. And I felt this was the first year that our group felt work was punishment. And, th- you know, there's 16 teams playing that don't feel like that, but ultimately there's going to be one team that never thought like that once all year long. And I, I keep going back to the admiration I have for what Jim Montgomery, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely have built in Boston for a year. Now, is it gonna be like that next year? I don't know. But all I know is this year is they they've been the they've been the, the standard that we've all looked at offensively, defensively, competitively, that give you hope in hockey that those players still exist. And now they might lose four straight, but it's still not going to still not going to affect how I think they did this year. So
1: you, said, you said that Sorry. I didn't build a roster that was competitive enough. You know, obviously, when you put it together, you have good intent. How do you compare the intent of what you did building the roster with how it played out and wasn't competitive?
6: Uh, I, I think, obviously, Jared. The, like, I'm not sitting here today shocked that we're not in the playoffs. So I, I probably have had some time to digest it. I haven't had enough time. To go through it with with the people that I really value their their opinions on that, which is obviously starts with Craig. Uh, his job up until uh, two nights ago was to prepare. Now he has to evaluate and evalu- uh, evaluate, self evaluate, evaluate his staff and evaluate the players on how it got to be non-competitive. Uh, I I just think that we we as an organization let our let our standards slip to what was acceptable in the things that the fans never saw, which was the practice sessions, the preparedness for practice. There's things that you you see when you're, when the guys are going on ice at 11 o'clock and I go get a coffee at 10.50 uh, to go out and watch and you see what guys are doing to prepare, I've never seen before. And those are things that, that we have to address and they're, they're little things. They're uh, I'll share quite a few things. There there's things that I don't understand, and, and I, I've s- said to some of the the veteran players that this is the most disconnected I've felt with the largest part of our organization, our players. Uh, it started in the pandemic. Uh, that my kids and I, I refer to my kids because they were, you know, they're in their late twenties now, and so they don't know what an 18 to 25 year old is dealing with now and it's something to be totally different and i have to spend the summer and craig and i have to spend the summer talking to people professional people that know what what these players go through to what makes them tick because what makes me tick was what my dad used to do which was cuff me upside the head and kick me in the ass and not really care what i really thought about it (laughs) uh that that's not working anymore and I was able to to understand what the 20 to 30 year old was going through when I could see how my kids were reacting to things in life I I don't get it anymore and it's my job to get it or get out and that's that's my summer project is is to work with people to find out how do you get to these guys what makes them tick Uh, like an example for me would be Players today, there's there's a group of players and and I'm not saying they're bad or they're wrong or it's I have to I have to understand how to get to them is they'll play eighteen minutes to to get an eighteen second shift that can go on YouTube and get a million likes and think that was a good night. You know, I have to understand what makes them think like that and how do we say you can have that, but can you also give us this?
1: That is Very well said by Doug Armstrong. I think a lot of people can relate to that. It is one generation trying to understand another as he tries to reconnect with his players and make this franchise back to being the power that it was in the playoffs. A Blues team that he says he wouldn't be surprised if it made the playoffs and did damage, but he also reminds people that they are in a rebuild, and part of this is to understand what makes players tick. I thought very well articulated by Dargar Armstrong right there. This is sports on a Sunday morning back after the news.